Zechut Levi Yitzchak Ben Devoira Mendel. This class is in honor of Levi Yitzchak, the son of Devoira Mendel. Rabbi Sadia Goyen said, more than the Jewish people kept the Shabbat, the Shabbat kept the Jewish people. You know, up until 2,000 years ago, just the idea of taking a day off was considered absurd. The Romans laughed at the Jewish people, ridiculed at the Jewish people. Look what a foolish people. An entire nation takes a day off from work. What happens to industry and... Well, today everyone takes a day off, more than one day. But that's not the idea of Shabbat. Shabbat is not just a day of rest. A day of rest means it's a day of R&R to get back to the main event, which is the main event when you're in the office. But in order to function, the wise thing is to give a little rest. Relaxation. We know Einstein taught us, revealed to us that time and space are relative. Time and space are connected. So just like space, how many dimensions are there in space? You have a six dimensions. You have up and down. And then you have north, east, south, and west. But then you have the center. So time is connected to space. So to time. Time, you have six dimensions. Sunday through Friday. And then you have the center. The soul of the week. The center of the week. Which glues it all together, brings it all together. And that's Shabbos. Shabbos is the soul of the week, the center of the week. By the Jewish people, Shabbat is actually the highlight of the week, the climax of the week. In the Hebrew language, there is no name for Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. We call the first day of the week, second day of the week, third day of the week. We're counting down to Shabbat. The only day of the week that has a name is Shabbat. So Shabbos is really the theme and the center of, of the entire week. And time and space only has six dimensions with the center. And that's why there's no eighth day. What happens after Shabbat? We start all over again. We say it's day number one. Because the reason we keep Shabbat is not to commemorate an event that happened 5,774 years ago. God created the world in six days and the seventh day rested. But this repeats itself each and every week. Each and every week, God is creating the world in six days, and the seventh day is rest. So Shabbat is a, a holy day. Because this is the day on Shabbat that God is resting. And that's why a Jew doesn't do work on Shabbat. Many people have a mistaken idea of what the idea of rest is. What are we resting from exactly? We're resting from a hard day's labor. Switching on a light, a light is not a big deal. We don't have to exert ourselves to switch on a light. And yet the Torah says you're not allowed to switch on a light. You can schlep benches up and down the steps. And biblically you have not violated Shabbat. You switch on the light and you've desecrated Shabbat. Because what's the reason we keep Shabbat? Because God created the world in six days and seven days rested. How did God create the world? 
with ten utterances. Even when we speak ten words, it doesn't exactly exhaust us. <laughs> Imagine God himself. God spoke ten words, not that God needed a break. Oy, I'm exhausted, I'm tired. It's time to rest. That's not the idea. The idea is the 39 categories of creative work the Torah prohibits. On Shabbat, what's prohibited is creative work. Six days a week, God created the world through God's creativity. And on the seventh day, He rested from creating the world. His creative energy rested. That's the idea of Shabbat. And that's why we, on Shabbat, we also rest. Six days a week, we express our creative energy through the 39 categories of work. On the seventh day, we rest. What does it mean you rest? So just like when a person acts creatively, you extend yourself. And then you rest. What happens when you rest? The word Shabbat means to rest. So what happens when you rest? You rejuvenate. You rejuvenate. Pun intended. You rejuvenate. You're restored. You're depleted. After exerting yourself, extending yourself, whatever creative work you're doing, you're writing, you're drawing, whatever you're doing. And then you're depleted. Your energy is depleted. And by withdrawing inwardly, you replenish yourself. You replenish your energy. You reconnect to your source, the source of your creativity. So the creativity is reconnected back to its source. And then you're rested, you're replenished, you're rejuvenated, you're refreshed. And then you can go back and you can continue your work. So when God created the world in six days, God extended himself, so to speak. And on the seventh day, he withdrew. Inwardly. And those energies with which God creates the world, those energies are replenished, refreshed, rejuvenated. And then after Shabbat, once again, they're extended into the world. Why are they depleted? And how are they replenished? Because our creative abilities are extensions of ourselves. And when they extend outwardly, they are connected because we are expressing ourselves creatively. But they're also, in a certain sense, leaving ourselves. They're outside of ourselves. We are expressing ourselves outwardly. We're doing creative work, we're writing, we're painting, whatever it is, whatever work we're doing. So we're like limiting ourselves and extending ourselves. We're projecting ourselves outwardly. So we are distancing ourselves from our source of strength, our source of energy, our source of life. We're leaving ourselves and extending ourselves and projecting ourselves outward. In order to replenish, you have to withdraw. You have to, you have to reconnect, go back to the source. And that's why all of life is really back and forth. You breathe in, you breathe out. 
the beating of the heart, every moment, in and out, the pulse of life. That's the dynamic of the week and Shabbat. It's like six days a week we return back to the world and then one day a week we withdraw and we reconnect our source. And the reason why this is the dance of life, this is the pulse of life, because our soul is like a chunk of life, a piece of life, an essence of life. Nothing to do with giving life to the body. The soul exists before it even comes in contact with the body. And the soul exists after 120 years, after the soul leaves the body. It's because the soul is so alive that the soul has the ability to give life. The soul transcends the external reality. It's not defined by it. It's not what the soul is about. And it's precisely because the soul transcends and is greater than any specific and limited ability and activity, that's why the soul has the ability to give life and to express itself in so many different ways. But when you express yourself in, in, in your creative activity, in a way, you're leaving the soul. You're like projecting the soul outward. And therefore, you become exhausted. You become tired. You become depleted. Because you're leaving your, your source. So the only reason I have this creative ability is because it's my soul. But my soul has to be itself. The moment you express yourself creatively, you're not yourself anymore. You're like limited. So therefore, you have to have this dance of jumping back and forth. You have to come back to your source, become yourself again, refresh, replenish, rejuvenate. And then you can once again project outwardly and creatively through whichever organ of the body you're using, the hands, the whatever it is, art or writing. So it's a dance, back and forth. You breathe in and you breathe out. The pulse of life. It's vibrant, it's dynamic. And the same is with time. Six days a week, the divine creative energy extends outwards to create the, the physical, external world. But the reason why the divine and creative energy is able to create the world it's only because it's divine and it's infinite and it's godly. But on the other hand, this divine energy is now limited and concentrated on creating this specific entity which is so far away from its origin. So if, were, if this divine energy would not return back to its source, it would lose its divine strength. It would lose its ability. So the Shabbat is when this divine, godly energy returns back to its source and becomes refreshed and, re and replenished because God is infinite. God is not about creating a world. It's not what God does, He creates a world. Creating a world to God is completely incidental to God. God is so much greater than creating a world. This world is not even a drop in the ocean in comparison to the ocean in relation to Hashem. It's, it's, it's absolutely nothing. It's inherently meaningless and insignificant. God is so transcendent and so beyond. So on one hand, it has to leave the source. 
Because if it doesn't leave a source, then it remains infinite. If it remains infinite, it cannot create us. Or angels, or finite beings, limited beings. This divine energy is infinite. So the divine energy would only be able to create something that's infinite. In order for this, infant, this, this energy, divine energy, to create something that's finite, it has to, so to speak, leave its center. It's projected outwards. As it says in the beginning of the Torah, Bereshit bara Elohim, in the beginning God created Elohim, it uses the name Elohim. Elohim is God's ability to project, to hide, to conceal. Because the creative energy is Hashem. Hashem is the divine name, the ultimate name, the absolute name, which is past, present, future, completely transcending nature. That's the divine creative energy. But the divine creative energy itself could not, how do we get from the infinite to something finite? So Hashem has to project His light through the name Elohim. And it's the name Elohim that limits, limits the light and concentrates the light through words and letters and vessels that create and contain the light and therefore the light is now projected in a very limited way. And therefore it brings us into being, brings us into existence, finite and limited beings, finite limited worlds, material or spiritual. So it's the name Elohim. So the name Elohim, in a way, is like a disconnect. It's like a, a projection outwards. It transforms the light, and now the light that we see, it's like you, you put light through a prism. What do you see from the other end? You see a red light and a yellow light and a purple light, depending on the colors of the prism. The light itself is pure light. But because the light now passes through the prism, the prism limits the light and defines the light and, and colors it. So the effect of the light is you see a red light in all the different colors. So the infinite divine energy, which comes from the name Hashem, has to go through, in order to create a finite, limited world, has to go through the prism, which is the name of Lakim, the letters, the words, as we discussed at great length. Thank God you can listen to it in the lessons in Tanya.com, the second part of the Tanya, um, especially chapter 3 and 4. The energy goes through the prism and the name Elohim, and therefore this energy is now very specific. That's why every one of us has a Hebrew name. Every one of us has a unique divine energy. A Hebrew name is a unique divine energy that sustains us and creates us based on the mixing of the letters and the shape of the letters and the meaning of the letters. So every one of us has a unique divine energy because it's the infinite light that goes through the prism, the letters and the words that creates this limited and finite world and being that we are. So in a way, in a certain sense, the divine energy is projected outward. It's like disconnected. But the problem is, the moment it's disconnected, it loses its strength. The only reason it has the ability to create is because it's godly and divine, and God is infinite. So it's like a paradox. If you're creating... You have to be godly. If you're godly, you're infinite. How can you be finite and yet be divine and godly at the same time? And the only way to accomplish this is by breathing in and out. The beat of life, the heartbeat, the pulse of life, back and forth, back and forth. It's projected outwards, the energy is projected outwards, but it immediately has to come back and reconnect to its source. Otherwise it loses its potency, it loses its energy, it loses its strength. It has no strength. Its, its strength comes entirely from within. So the moment you project outward, you lose your strength, you lose your energy, you lose your ability. So you have to be projected outward in order to affect 
in order to be creative, you have to project outward. But on the other hand, in order to truly be creative, you have to be connected to the center from within. How is it possible to do both at the same time? It's this constant back and forth. So the six days a week needs the Shabbat. Without the Shabbat, the Shabbat is the center. The Shabbat is the glue that brings it all together. Without the divine creative energy returning to its source, it would lose its efficacy, it would lose its, its potency, it wouldn't be able to create. So every Shabbat, something very monumental happens. As we say in the Vayichulu, at the end of the narration of creation, after each day, each day it says, Hashem created, and he saw that it was very good, and then it was good. Friday was very good. And then it says, Vayichal Elokim Vayim Ashvi. Vayichulu Elokim. Vayichulu means it came to an end. What came to an end? Elokim came to an end. The hiding and the screening comes to an end. On Shabbat, there's no hiding, there's no screening. The light is elevated. The light withdraws inwardly. And when the divine energy is withdrawn and is elevated, it also affects the world. The whole entire world becomes elevated. The physical world becomes elevated. The world is not the same. On Shabbat, the world is not the same. Physically, the world is not the same. Today, we don't see it. When Mashiach will come, we'll see it. It says when Mashiach will come, a Jew will try to rip a fruit, tear a fruit off a tree. The tree will yell out and say, it's Shabbat. What are you doing? The truth is, today the tree is also yelling. We don't hear it. Because the world is elevated. You don't see it. We don't see it physically. Just like when a person rests. Could anyone on the outside tell the difference between the hand when the hand was creating and the hand was re is resting. The hand looks the same. I don't see a difference when the hand is resting, the hand is creative. Physically, the hand looks the same. But internally, you feel the difference. When you're creating and you're writing and you're painting and your hand is working versus when, your hand, when you're resting, you're replenished. Your hand is resting, your hand is strengthening. It's something that you feel on the inside. You don't see anything anything on the outside. But on the inside, there's a world of difference. The Alter Rebbe, before he passed away, he was together with his grandson, Menachem Mendel, the Tzamaq Tzedek, who later on became the third Lubavitcher Rebbe. And the Alter Rebbe told him that on Shabbat, the physical food that we eat throughout the week, the food receives its life sustenance from klipa, from the shell, because since it's created through the name Elohim, which hides and conceals, so therefore it creates a disconnect. And that's why every food item is a mixture of, of, of um, holiness and, and uh, the opposite of holiness. And our mission in life, when we eat the food, we're separating and elevating the good from the bad. By eating it and making a blessing, and when we eat the kosher food and we make a blessing and we inject an intent, a divine intent, I'm eating this food in order to be able to serve Hashem with a divine awareness how God is creating this food at this moment. So you separate the good, the spiritual, from the material. And Shabbat, however, is different. Shabbat, the food has no klipa to it. has no, nothing negative. 
There's no negative energy. It's all good. It's all, phys- it's all good. And the reason we eat on Shabbat is not to separate the good from the bad. That's why on Shabbat you're not allowed to separate. One of the 39 categories of work, which actually, barer, and there's actually three types of barer, barer and zayr, winnowing, and separating, and sifting, all different variations of barer, you're not allowed to separate on Shabbat. Because Shabbat, that's not what Shabbat is about. Shabbat is not about separating. There's no need to separate. Because everything is holy. Everything is good. Why am I eating? I am eating to draw down a higher level of pleasure. That's why Shabbat, it's a mitzvah to eat. And the Tzimel Tzedek says, how is that possible? The food looks, to, looks the same to me. It's the same kugel that was there on Friday when I tasted it. And then suddenly at night, the kugel changes. Before, before, before candle lighting, the kugel has good to it and bad to it. And my mission is to separate the good from the bad. Suddenly, you light the candles and it turns Shabbat. And suddenly now the kugel is holy and it's, it's all good. He says, yes. There's a physical change. You don't see it, but it's true. The name Elohim comes to an end. The world is resting. The universe is resting. All the divine creative energy that's creating the world and sustaining the world withdraws, is elevated. As a holy Rebbe, the Helika Ruzhin, or the Rabbi Shol of Ruzhin, when he was a child, he used to play outside. He was playing with his friends. And he didn't even have to look at the watch. At the right time, he just looked up to the heaven. He says, it's Shabbat. Because he can perceive. He was able to perceive the world changing. To him, it was like physically. He saw the world change. It's a different heaven. It's a different earth. It's a different world. The kugel is different. It's just the food is different. Everything is different. We are different. We are elevated. The divine energy is elevated. And therefore, everything the divine energy creates is also elevated. And is refined. And that's the idea of Shabbat. It's not just a ritual, a custom, to bring some holiness into our lives. Something very real happens on Shabbat. Every single week, this cycle repeats itself. Every single week. Six days a week, God creates through his ten utterances. And on Shabbat, he stops speaking. What do you mean he stops speaking? It withdrew to its source. Those same very words and letters, divine energies, withdrew to its source, the level of thought. And that's why Shabbat is a day of pleasure. Because pleasure is something that comes from within, deep down within. When you come back to yourself, it gives you tremendous, tremendous pleasure. It stirs, something stirs very deep down inside of you. it's very difficult to perceive that pleasure when you're busy speaking because speech is very external very superficial you know speech almost blocks our way doesn't allow us to access our inner selves source of pleasure because you're constantly so busy and so distracted you don't even have a moment to get to the level of pleasure you need silence You have to stop speaking. And you have to go deep down inside. Withdraw inward. Get beyond the speech, beyond the words. And go deeper and deeper into your soul until you get to the root and the core and the 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 essence of your soul. That is where pleasure is. That's where pleasure resides.
when you're able to access your inner soul, when something stirs deep down inside of you, that gives you immense pleasure. And the pleasure is actually, you physically feel the pleasure. Pleasure is not abstract. Pleasure is physical. You feel something inside of you. You feel something shifting, something stirring. The pleasure affects you physically. And that's why on Shabbat, a Jew celebrates Shabbat physically. You have to eat on Shabbat. That symbolizes the pleasure of Shabbat. Because it's such a deep soul stirring that it affects you physically. You have to physically eat the cholent and physically eat and enjoy the Shabbat physically. You know, we take existence for granted. Our whole focus in life is to try to improve our existence. Make a dull existence into a rich existence. A poor existence into a richer existence. Existence, we never question. The fact that I exist, that I take for granted. My whole life, I'm busy expressing my creativity to try to improve. To climb the ladder, to improve my existence. Comes along the Jew on Shabbat and takes a step back, steps out of the whole picture, and says, wait a minute, why are we taking existence for granted? The difference between poor and rich, dull and exciting, is nothing in comparison to the difference between non-existence and existence. (laughs) If someone gave you a choice between non-existence and existence, existence would be the most thrilling, the most exciting thing in the world. Nothing beats just being and existing. But we take it for granted. On Shabbat, the Jew steps back and says, why am I taking existence for granted? All week I'm busy creating and doing and moving and shaking and turning the world upside down. Wait a minute. Let me step back and just celebrate the miracle of existence. On Shabbat, you take a nap, you're doing a mitzvah. You take a walk, you're doing a mitzvah. You're eating, you're doing a mitzvah. What am I doing? You're celebrating the simplest things. A walk. You know what a miracle a walk is? You know people who can't walk? You know what a miracle walk? You know how many parts have to go in to enable your foot leg to t- take a step forward? There's once a professor who spent his whole life figuring out how the leg, what the leg does when it w- walks. By the time he figured it out, he became so paralyzed, he couldn't walk. Because he, he, he realized what's involved, it was so overwhelming, that just being aware of it just froze him. He just couldn't, couldn't, didn't have the guts, the courage to walk. People lose the ability to speak. You think playing violin, learning how to play violin is tough. Learning to speak, the simple things that we do. We don't even think twice. We go through our whole life and most people have no clue how letters come out and what we do and how we put the lips together and the tongue. We who even pays attention? You know how difficult it is? If you had to do it consciously. So all of this that we take for granted on Shabbat, we step back and we say, wait a minute, this is, this is the greatest miracle. Just taking a walk. Eating, drinking. Suddenly you celebrate the miracle of being, the miracle of existence. And a Jew's mission in life is to give testimony. To give testimony that God is creating the world, that God creates the world, and God constantly creates the world, and He runs the world, and is in charge of the world. When a Jew keeps Shabbat, we're giving testimony. That's why Friday night we stand up in shul and we say, uh, uh, when you give testimony in Jewish court, you have to stand up. 
the witnesses have to stand up. Every Jew is a witness, is a walking witness. And by keeping Shabbat, we give testimony to the fact that Hashem creates the world. Now, you don't have to give testimony for something that's obvious. Something that's obvious, you don't need testimony. The fact that there's a creator, you don't need testimony. All religions, all mysticisms recognize and sense that there's a divine energy, there's a godly energy, the whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. You know, just like the body has a soul, so too the macrocosm, the, the whole universe has a dynamic, vibrant soul, energy. For that, you don't need testimony, the testimony of a Jew. Something that's obvious and self-evident, you don't need testimony. Testimony you only need if, if it's impossible to know what happened. The witnesses are the only ones who were there. They're the only ones who can let us know what happened. Without the witnesses, I would never know what really happened. So the Jew, by keeping Shabbat, is really giving testimony to the essence of God. Not that, not that there is a creator. That's religion. That's not Judaism. That's obvious. That's ABC. That's elementary. But to give testimony to the fact that this is not what God is all about. That God as a creator is an insignificant part of God. So on Shabbat, a Jew is pointing his finger, a Jew is testifying to the fact that God transcends the fact that he's a creator. And that's why God is able to create, because God is so beyond creation. Creation means nothing to him. That's why God, only God has the ability to create. So too the divine energy, that God concentrated this divine energy into in the Hebrew names of everything that exists, this divine energy is withdrawn, withdraws and reconnects to its source, is elevated to its source. And therefore it's replenished and then it has the ability, the divine, infinite ability to create. The six days to go back into the world and to, and to create. So a Jew is giving testimony to the essence of God. How do we give testimony? By keeping Shabbat. One day a week, the world doesn't exist to us. Someone could ring our doorbell, someone could ring, the phones could ring off the hook. Someone has a billion dollar deal for us. It doesn't exist. A million, a billion, it doesn't exist. This is Shabbat, it's holy. All that exists is Hashem. The world doesn't define us. We're not defined by the world. Because we have a deeper definition than the world, that's completely beyond this world, that transcends this world. What defines us is our relationship to God. Hashem. That's what defines us. That's what we're about. Therefore, we have the capacity and the ability to be God's ambassadors to go into the world and to really affect change in the world, bring light and godliness and holiness into the world. Precisely because we're not defined by it. You can't do tikkun olam when you are the olam. If you are part of the olam, you miss the hope. You lose your effectiveness. If you can't stop working on Shabbat, if you can't step away on Shabbat, then you are defined by the money. Then you can't elevate. You are defined by the world. You cannot elevate the world. You're part of the problem. It's because you can totally walk away from it. Totally step away from it. For 26 hours, it just ceases to exist. You have a much deeper definition that totally transcends the physical and the material. Therefore, six days a week you're able to effectively bring light. Because just like a Jew keeps Shabbat, a Jew keeps Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Friday. 
sounds elementary and basic, but like, so that's going to pray, eating, all that. How else is the best way to spend Shabbat? Shabbat at a simple level is a time to focus on, on connecting with Hashem, connecting with, it's a holy day, it's a day when we can access, when godliness is accessible and you can, on learning and, and connecting and praying and being with family and it's, it's really just being, you know, we're, we're so busy, we're so busy earning a living that we forget to live, you know. We get so distracted in, in, you know, here you stop. One day you stop and just live. And it's not about anything external. All the money in the world won't buy you love, and all the money in the world won't buy you happiness and joy or health. <laughs> all the money in the world. It's something that comes from within. Life comes from within. We just take it for granted. We don't appreciate it. But life is a divine miracle. It comes from within. Shabbat is a time to focus on, on what we have within. All that richness that we have within. Just allow that richness to come out. Celebrate joyfully. And how ironic that the Jewish people who have suffered more than anyone. We were the brunt. We always were the receiving end of just how brutal and nasty life could be. Because we were always the first ones to suffer. And yet we celebrate life. Every Shabbat, the poorest Jew, you come into his house, his table is a royal table set with white, beautiful Shabbat candles, delicious food, everyone is scrubbed and showered and the family is sitting around the table together. You know, it's family time and I mean, this, is, this is priceless. No matter, even the simplest worker, Shabbat, he's a king, the mother is the queen, children around the table. It's, 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 these things are priceless. All the money in the world can buy. That's what comes from within. It comes from the neshama, it comes from the soul. So Shabbat is the soul of the week. It's a time when you get in touch with your soul. The things that really matter at the end of the day. No one hugs at the shake case when they're 90 years old. No one hugs at the shake case when they're not the end of their life. Who cares? And on Shabbat, you remind yourself, you remember what's real and what's not real. And you connect. It's time to connect. It's what connects the whole week together. It's what connects us. Yes, quantity-wise, it's only one day a week. There's seven days a week. Six days a week, you work one day a week. But qualitatively-wise, this is the highlight of the week. This is what you look forward to. This is the climax. This is the pinnacle. This is what energizes you. This is what you look forward to. This is what gives you your strength. Then you go back into the, into the weekday. So it's, you don't define yourself quantitatively, externally, superficially. It's what you have in the inside. And that's why it's the woman who sets the tone for Shabbat. She lights the candles. That's how you usher in the Shabbat. The Shabbat is the queen. It's the feminine energy. You know, six days a week, the emphasis is more on the masculine energy. You're going out of the house, you're conquering the world, you're out there, you're doing battle. But one day a week, you come back home. That's external. That's not how you define yourself. How you define yourself is what you have on the inside. And it's the woman who's the essence of relationship. That's what you have on the inside. It's marriage, relationship, soul. And 
And that's why it's the lighting of the candle. It's a very gentle touch. The candle, the light, doesn't force itself, doesn't impose itself, doesn't conquer. It's, it's just being, just being itself. When you light a candle, the candle is being itself. You're naturally attracted to the candle. Shabbat, it's just about being. It's what you have in the inside. The marriage, relationship, it's not about the career, it's not about the labels, the titles, the money. The, it's all external. You strip away all these superficial externals and you're left with the what's in there. And that's, what, and that's what the Jewish woman symbolizes. You have in the inside, the soul. Shabbat and the Jew are married to each other. It says every day of the week has a partner. Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. The only odd day out is Shabbat. Shabbat is single. It's the odd day out. It has no partner. There are 70 nations in the world. Every nation has a partner. The odd nation out is the Jewish people. We have no partner. Hashem says, Shabbat and the Jew, they will be partners. They will be marriage partners. We also receive an additional soul on Shabbat. We get the additional soul, correct. On Shabbat, the 39 categories of work that you're not allowed to do. In a sense, you just have to get out of the way. By giving your ego a rest and getting out of the way, you allow the neshama to emerge. Because that soul is there. That soul is like the depth of our soul. But we can't access it throughout the whole week. But when you get out of the way, you remove all the obstacles, you create that space, then the holiness just emerges. We don't, have, we don't create the holiness of Shabbat. That's the difference between Shabbat and holidays. Holidays, we have to sanctify the holiday. We have to determine when is the new moon and we determine when is the holiday. Shabbat comes automatically. We don't have to do anything. It comes on its own. All we have to do is get out of the way. Remove all the distractions. Get your ego out of the way. Create that space. And then the Shabbat just emerges. The holiness, that extra soul within us. The pintle, it just emerges. The deep place of pleasure within us just emerges in service. So it's a gift. It's not something that we earn. Shabbat is a gift. But we just have to allow, create the space and allow the gifts 